Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stato Joe podcast with me, Stato Joe. And as always, I am delighted to be joined by Luke Sherwin. Hello, Joe. What a pleasure it is to be with you. It's so nice to record this intro as well for our podcast. First time ever for podcast listeners. Bonus content. You love to see it. Because we love you podcast listeners so much more than everybody else, we wanted you to have something a bit extra to get to know us as people. This is the chance for you to hear about stuff that's not related to sport. You know, we both love wrestling. We could go on for weeks about wrestling. Who knows? But look, introduce yourself to our listeners. Let them know all about you. Okay. So my name is Luke, as you all know that already. Uh, I'm 23. Yes, I know. I've got such a youthful face. Not as youthful as Joe's, to be fair. Uh, but I'm 23. Um, I have a degree in primary school education. So I can teach kids from 4 to 11 years old, um, which is great. Um, and now I'm working for a charity organisation called Christian Unions Ireland, working with students at Queen's University in Belfast. So loving that at the moment. It's been a weird year to do that, but loving it all the same. Um, love football. Just earliest memories of football, you know, were out in the street with, with the people I, I used to live with in my cul-de-sac. Spend okay. stupid games, always trying to hack my brother. You know, just those types of things. Um, love football, always have played it all my life. Not particularly great, but all right. Um, and Serviceable, serviceable. Yeah, yeah, like I can do, I can put the ball in the back of the net sometimes. Um, and I guess my earliest um, footballing memory, uh, watching football, is the Barcelona Arsenal Champions League final 2006. Oh. I think that's the first time I properly remember a football match being on and sitting down and watching it. Uh, loved it and kind of got a love for Barcelona after that and having visited the new camp. So you might have seen in some of our last podcasts that I'm a, I'm, I'm a fan of, of Barcelona. I'm a Stoke City fan, but I do adore Barcelona all the same. Uh, Joe, what about you? Who are you? So I am, I am Joe, uh, I'm, I'm 22, and I am in my final year of a mathematics degree, which I absolutely hate with an absolute passion of, so just, oh. Um, and, you know, I, I started this kind of side of things five months ago because I have a real, real passion for football and sport in general. I'm a Newcastle fan, so you've got the question, is, the, is my passion uh, really true if I'm supporting a a banter club like Newcastle. Um, but I blame my dad for that 100%. Uh, I know, I blame my ground as well for me being a Stoke City fan. Yeah, it's all because of him. It's never our fault. Just blame someone else, really, is the uh, is kind of where I sit. Pretty I've much. played football since I was a wee boy. Um, I played for I played for Ards Rangers Juniors uh, in my hometown of Ards since I was four until I was 18. And again... My manager's to say in the most backhanded compliment of all time, he can see the game, but his feet can't do it. What he, what he wants to do, <laughs> which was like, he's got a good brain, but he's crap at football. So that kind of sums me up as a player. Um, yeah, like I, I just I just adore football, watching it, analysing, all that kind of thing. And post-university, I'd really love a job in the sports analytics world. So that's kind of where I'd like to go. Um, as for us, uh, for those who don't know, me and Luke have been mates for four or five years, I think. Um, yeah. We, you know, we watch football together quite a lot. We we spend ridiculous hours staying up to watch WWE. 
Uh, and, you know, it's just an all around good time. And we hope that in our podcast, you can see really that kind of natural chemistry coming through. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it is a friendship more than anything else. And we thought a podcast was a decent next step to take because we both have a lot of opinions on all topics in general life. And so why not share them over the internet? Because that's what people do these days. So, yeah, you guys get to listen to those. It is amazing to me, Joe, for those listening in Northern Ireland. You're from Ards and I'm from Bangor. Mm-hmm. We have absolutely no right to talk to each other. That's so true. We, should <laughs> we, shouldn't, get on. we yeah. shouldn't get on at all. But you know what? Football unites people oh. from all different backgrounds. What the beautiful game <laughs> that we love to watch. But yeah, football <laughs> is, is a great passion of ours. We both love it. We both support terrible football teams. But we're here <laughs> to share with you our lovely um, thoughts and opinions. And we're really talking really- about Sorry, Joe, go right. for it. I just think we're really, really excited for you guys to kind of join us uh, in, in this journey of ideas that we have on podcasts that we're going to bring. And we're trying to bring you two podcasts a week. That's that's the aim. Whether that be reviews, whether that be season uh, like pitches or looking at matches in the Euros or things like that, our, our plan really is to, to bring you guys two podcasts a week, one every Monday morning, recorded on the Sunday, and one sometime midweek, usually Wednesday or Thursday, recorded the night before as well. And if you want to join us live, which is what the main blog of the podcasts are, we go live on YouTube and Facebook, on Stato Joe YouTube and Facebook, 8 o'clock on a Sunday night and sometime midweek. It's a live show that you can participate in, and that is where the main bulk of our content comes from. Absolutely. It's, it's an exciting time, I think. We have so many different ideas and so many different thoughts that we want to bring to you. Be that with predictions for next season, predictions for Euro squads, predictions for the Euros themselves, pre-season um, thoughts and previews of, of teams and signings. And there, there'll just be a lot of different thoughts um, on our experience of, of football and, and what we think might happen next year. Um, there'll be times for you guys to clip us, take our tables, our Premier League tables for next season, and then in a year's time, send it to us and laugh at how yeah. terribly wrong yeah. you were that's that's gonna be fantastic but yeah. um, please, i'm excited please banter us please banter us when we're wrong <laughs> do you know what i mean we um, do we, we do take it well we do take it yeah well. we so, do yeah and we'll banter you back we'll banter you back uh but today's show is going to be all about the protests outside old trafford that ultimately had the manchester united versus liverpool game postponed Look, we're just going to start off straight away, and I just want to get you... Can you tell everybody what actually went on today? Yeah, so it was a bit bit crazy. <laughs> Man United and Liverpool were meant to kick off at a half past four this afternoon, um, British time, and that, would, that was going to be grand. But Manchester United fans had decided that they would protest against the Glazers and against just the running of the club, mainly because of the European Super League, um, but also, they haven't really been fans of the Glazers for a long time. There's been protests since around 2010. Just 11 years in the making. Uh, fans were going to be peaceful. That was fine. <laughs> the police were okay with that. Everyone was okay with that. It was going to be peaceful. But one thing led to another, and the Manchester United fans broke into Old Trafford. Weird. <laughs> the Theatre of Dreams was absolutely smashed. 
became the theater of nightmares as people <laughs> broke in, broke windows, made their way into the pitch, onto the pitch. They ignored the sign that says, stay off the grass. The disrespect that's been shown. Maybe, maybe they can't read. Maybe they can't read. Well, maybe they can. 200 or so Manchester United fans broke into Old Trafford and decided to protest. They had flares. They were doing all sorts. They were running, sitting on the goalposts. They were scoring unbelievable bicycle kicks and posting the videos on Twitter. They were stealing corner flags. And I quite enjoyed the corner flag adventures that we then mm. saw for the rest of the day. Yeah. And the flag <laughs> appeared around various places in Manchester. Uh, but yeah, they were green and, and gold flares were the main kind of thing used to protest, to show their... Um, yeah, their dislike towards the Glazers and their support for the original colours of Manchester United back in the 1800s when they were formed, the original colours that they used to play in. It was a strange turn of events and it's the first time that a game has been postponed because fans have broken in and protested. Um, yeah, a wild ride. Joe, what do you reckon? Strangest set of events I have ever seen, uh, especially... You do love to see Sky scrambling to try and work out what to talk about. Um, I had heard about these protests all week. Uh, it was all over social media, YouTube, Twitter, that these were, these were going to be happening. How the club did not have the appropriate level of security to stop this from happening, I'll, I'll never know. And... It appears in some of the footage, now it's not, I'm not saying this is what happened, but it appears that some members of the security team actually let the fans in. Uh, there's, you know, a, I think there's a bit of a conspiracy going on. These guys were allowed in rather than like fighting their way in. And it did look like they were just able to stroll in, you know, and get onto the pitch. No problem. I don't actually really have that big a problem with what happened in terms of things that were peaceful and didn't hurt anyone. The one thing I will say is anyone that hurts, anyone that was doing anything to hurt anyone or putting people in danger is, I think that's shameful. Um, that, that shouldn't be happening. And I don't think that's okay. But I actually think what has been done today in terms of the protest, they could have done a sit-in protest and let's say they got into the stadium. They could have sat in just sat there all the whole time. They obviously did leave the pitch eventually. There were safety concerns. But what they've done is they've essentially prevented probably hundreds of millions of people from watching what is one of the biggest games in a Premier League season. So it is a it's a small victory for the fans. What are your kind of opinions on it? Um yeah, they've done very well to get global attention. Hmm during this game because as you say United versus Liverpool is a massive tie everybody around the world wants to see that because United and Liverpool are two of the biggest teams worldwide due to past success and they just have a lot of fans all across the globe and so if their goal was to make a statement they've absolutely done that they've made a statement yeah. they've shown we are the fans and football belongs to us and if that's the message that they wanted to get across, then they have done that brilliantly. They've made it very clear to the Glazers, you're not going to sit here and carry on like you have done for the last 11 years, since mm -hmm. the last protests or whatever. They they can't do that. 
because these fans have made it clear we aren't going to let our team that we love so dearly play football if you guys are still in charge. I respect it. I do. Yeah. I really do. I think it's a, it's it's incredible what they've done. But I'm slightly disappointed by some fans who obviously went too far. If you're watching the Sky coverage and they were talking about how there's always going to be a couple of idiots. The people who are throwing flares up to the stage where the pundits would sit. Yeah. That's not on. The pundits haven't done this. They're part of Sky, yes, and you can argue they're just taking money and blah, 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 and causing all of the financial issues, but it's not their fault. They're ex-footballers being paid to talk about football. You can't blame them. They're not going to turn that down because we, Gary from Liverpool, thinks it's a disgrace. And so the people throwing that and throwing cans of beer at the stage, I think, were unnecessary yeah. and, and not not in the spirit of the game that we got. No. Not at all. But the ones who were peaceful, who came in, the guy who scored the bicycle kick, <laughs> I, I loved that. I thought that was, I thought that was great. Finish. What a finish. <laughs> what a finish. Sign him up. Uh, but it was that was fine. And all of the peaceful stuff, I think, is great and really made um, a difference. And obviously, it's made a difference in that the game's been postponed. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I did enjoy Sky flapping and basically trying to improvise and figure out how do we fill the 90 minutes worth yeah. of football? Like, what do we do? Surprise, Graham Sudas didn't start singing or something, but that would be great. I was kind of disgusted at one stage when Roy Keane, Roy Keane, referred to it as soccer. I was like, I know. what? What, you are you, what are you talking about? What are you doing, Roy Keane, of all people? I guess, <laughs> I don't know, maybe Gaelic football is football to him and, mm. and soccer is is soccer, but yeah, I was confused by that, to say the least. I thought Carragher and Neville once again did wonders. I thought they were fantastic. And I don't know if you saw this, but it was whenever they were first talking to them, whenever they still weren't sure whether the game was going to go ahead, and Gary was talking about the fans protesting, and the presenter Dave, who I actually think is great as well, yeah. went to speak, and Gary was like, Nah, Dave. Let me let me let me speak here, Dave. Now is not the time, right? I've got something I need to say here. Basically, shut up, Dave. I'm talking, right? And I thought it was brilliant. He was like, it was almost like he shot down Sky itself. That's that's kind of how it felt. It was like he's talking against the broadcasters. Down you go. See you later. Um, yeah, I think it's very very effective in that. Not only will fans be disappointed the game's not on, like fans of the, the clubs. Neutrals were disappointed. I was disappointed the game wasn't on, obviously. Me too. Rob I was Cameron. so ready to watch a lovely nil-nil. Yeah, I was so oh, ready I'm to excited. watch that game. I was so excited. Broadcasters will be disappointed because they'll have been building up to the game. I'm sure, like, you know what America's like with their TV ads. They'll have been, you know, all over it. You've got a big global audience in Asia. You've essentially what these fans have done, and it wasn't even that many. Like, let's say... I say not that many. I mean in comparison to the viewing figures, right? So, like, let's call it 5,000 fans, maybe in total. It could be more, maybe 20,000. I'm not sure how many it was. It was 200 were in the ground. That's it. 200 were in the ground. So, yeah. so 200 that were in the ground effectively prevented hundreds of millions of people from watching the game. And now the Premier League have to reschedule it for a time that might not be suitable. Uh, or that won't be as good because the Sunday half four slot is the main event slot of any Premier League week, usually, yeah. unless it's the Saturday half five, just depending on fixtures. But 
I think not having the game on was the right call because you could never be certain about player safety. And that's obviously make, making sure everybody's safe is the main call, is the thing that you want to be like ensuring happens. I personally have felt annoyed with a certain, a certain section of Liverpool fans who have kind of gone out of their way to go and, and find photos of things that weren't peaceful and then put in quotes, peaceful protest. I want to say to you, if you're one of those people, that that attitude is not helpful in any way. You should be, you should be siding with these United fans because your owners are just as bad as the Glazers in terms of trying to just use your money or your club to make money. And I, it really, really annoyed me because I was like, "What? this is very powerful. And it was, I would say, 99.5% of people were just there to protest peacefully, get their thoughts out, and, and that was it. And there, there's always, and the sky said it, and I'll say it here as well, there's always going to be a couple of idiots who are going to spoil it for everybody else. And that's always going to happen. You're, you're never going to get perfection anywhere. And for the Liverpool fans to be going out of their way to saying things like, we should get all three points, or they should have a points deduction, listen up. You guys also should have a points deduction if you're going to go that way, because anyone involved with in that Super League, I feel, should be really harshly punished. And you're no better than, than United. And actually, the irony in punishing the clubs because of their fans' actions, whenever they're not even, at the minute, punishing the clubs for their owners' actions, for me, would just be really distasteful. Really distasteful. I think you're spot on. I think Carragher kind of touched on this um, on the coverage and said, Liverpool fans who are on their high horse right now, you need to hop off. You need, mm-hmm. to, you need to settle yourselves because your owners put out that video and a lot of Liverpool fans have accepted that as, oh yeah, sweet, sweet let's move on which I think is more of a disgrace than some of the stuff that's happened today because they seem to have just moved on and forgotten about it. It's a travesty what's happening with football at the moment. Uh, at this rate, we need England to win the Euros to bring peace to England, but uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm ready for a 2018 summer again where everyone's mm-hmm. having the time of their life. Um, but yeah, I think Liverpool fans need to do more, but United fans also need to do more but in a more peaceful manner. Go into the ground, absolutely. Sure, do your thing. Just don't harm anyone physically because violence will never lead to that much change in this case, in the game of football. Violence will just bring about more issues. Violence will bring about stricter sanctions. Violence will ultimately mean that fans will be kept from going to games. And that's what we've been wanting for a year. (laughs) We've been wanting to be able to go back to football matches and violence will prolong that and stop fans from being allowed in because people have seen that that works now. (laughs) It works for fans not to be there. It's happened for a year. Violence is not the answer in this case. Definitely not. And I would never, ever agree with violence. I actually do feel that in some ways the fans getting on the pitch has made for far more powerful images than and has made far more of an impact and actually in some ways a positive impact than outside the ground. Now, I would never encourage anybody to break into a stadium, right? Obviously not. That's not what I'm saying. But there was a, a, a lot, again, there was a large proportion of those people who went in, who just went in and didn't cause any harm. They, 
they simply stood on the pitch, you know, maybe jumped out with their mates or whatever, maybe scored a goal, you know, because if you're on the old, old top of the pitch, that's a video you could share forever, right? But they, they, they went out there and ultimately the images that we got from that were far more impactful than the masses outside because people were like, oh my goodness, these guys are in the stadium. Another thing I do want to say as well, I think this is a valid point I feel like I need to bring up, is that these protests would never be happening to this extent if fans were in the stadium because the fans would just go to the game and then during the game make their feelings known. That's the way they would do it, right? Yeah. So this is completely a consequence of fans not being at, at grounds, obviously. And, you know, you could argue that the player's safety could be called into question if the fans were in the stadiums and causing that amount of disturbance during a game, you know. So it, it could have been the same, if not worse, if fans were on the ground. So there, I just, I, I felt quite strongly about this. I really, I really did because I thought what happened two weeks ago was disgusting. It really upset me actually. And I'm, you know, I'm a plain old Newcastle fan. Like I don't have any stake in the Super League. And it did upset me, and you know, I'm just I'm just glad that people are uniting against these uh, these owners. So, so yeah, yeah. I think there's not much more really to say on the topic. I think we've kind of covered um, a few different things. Um, but if you want to share your thoughts, feel free to hop on. There's a link in the chat. Um, and while maybe we're waiting for people to join, um, United were due to play today against Liverpool in a game that potentially had ramifications for the league title. Yeah. If United failed to win today, then they would have handed the Premier League title to Manchester City. Joe, it looks like Man City won the league. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's looked like that for a while. What yeah. did you think of their performance yesterday? And what do you think... Um, Man City look like going forward? I think I think Man City are impressive in that they win games without ever being that great as in they don't particularly perform amazingly and they still get results you know their two goals were scored in like three minutes you know they they, had, they scored two goals and that was in, the, in those kind of couple of minute segments and that was it uh, Sterling is, for me, almost playing himself out of the Euros. <laughs> he's he's been poor, hasn't he? He's he struggled for form. He really has. I agree. Yeah, and I think especially when he's playing alongside Phil Foden, <laughs> who I know. can play exactly the same position as him, but plays at the moment a million times better. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you mentioned, Man City two minutes is all that it takes in football. Two minutes changed that game yesterday. Mm-hmm. And fair play to them. Well, not not don't get it wrong. Man City had all of the attack. They had all of the ball. Sit or Palace didn't look like doing anything for most of the game. And that was a bold tactic from Pep to play four two with Aguero slightly behind Gabriel Jesus. Aguero who's looked slow, sluggish yeah. for the last few games. He's I been know. told right. You're the creative spark in our team now. <laughs> and fair play to him. He took his goal fantastically well. He did mm-hmm. very well to get the goal. 
but a ball from from Pep. But it paid off. They made a lot of changes. They played Ake. They pay, played Mendy. They played um, Fernandinho. They played Torres. They played a weekend team, obviously with PSG in mind, and it paid off because Man City have a ridiculous squad depth. They've done very well to get that. I think yeah, they're going to win the league, and they've done phenomenally over the last ten years to be dominant force as much as you can in the Premier League in a, a league that changes almost every season um, and I think the only way is up really because I see them in the summer buying a striker I see them in the summer strengthening because they've got the money why would you yeah. not maybe yeah. selling a few players obviously Aguero's leaving a main striker because I don't think Pep likes Gabriel Jesus enough to trust him well, as it's, it's, main it's weird he's got a striker there I suppose he doesn't use him very often, yeah. so I think I think you're right. Also, interestingly, this season, let's not forget that City, after their first eight or ten games or something, were in the bottom half of the league. So, yeah, it just shows you a what a strange season this has been, but b the ridiculous run of form City have had since December. Uh, so, so yeah, and um, I think they're going to win the league by yeah this week. So, yeah, that's that's the title race done. But it's weird because it went, it went under the radar, Man City's run of, of victories. Like, whenever they broke the record yeah. for most consecutive victories, I was so shocked. I was like, what? Where? 17 wins in a row. Where has this come from? It's because they were languishing in mid-table at the start of the season. They looked all out of sorts. And then they just got a win and then got another one. And nobody was surprised because Man City should have been winning these games. Mm-hmm. But then they just kept going and kept going. And while all of a sudden... Of the league having a laugh. It's like mad that the Cookstown Cafu just took down Man City single handedly. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well, uh, he's one of the greatest players to ever exist. Ever exist. So, as you guys know, it's a full in show on a Sunday, uh, and you always have the option to come on and join us live on the show. And this week, we're having our first ever, actually, our first ever phone in uh technically not but technically yes because gareth came on as a replacement on thursday night he did brilliantly um and as you know he's ridiculously biased when it comes to manchester all things manchester united so gareth there we go we're on now good evening boys all right gareth welcome to the show not too bad thank you chat to us gareth what do you want to say so yeah, um, just on today, um, I I agree with um, with the protests. Um, I think that bar the absolute muppet who threw something towards the um, the the sky TV pundits, um, I think it was done professionally. I think it was done. You know, there was a. Not a warning as such, but it was talked about a while ago. You know, it was talked about a couple of weeks ago. The United fans did come out and say, look, we are going to protest. Um, and I think the police and United were aware of that. Um, am I annoyed I didn't get to watch us play Liverpool? Yeah, of course. I think every United fan up and down the country will be. You know, it's one of the biggest games in football history. You know, it's one of the biggest rivalries in football history. So, um, yeah, I think Jimmy Carragher had it in the head um, that it was all... It was on. It was all done peacefully. Um, and again, he reiterated that um, throughout. It's it's difficult to stomach. You know, it's good to see um, that fans have obviously um, got in 
and voice their opinions. Do I condone violence? Not at all. Um, I don't think anybody in football condones oh, violence. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> and I was like, jumper, and you would think I would, but um, no, I definitely don't. And I think that any trouble has happened in Manchester, and people need to take a hard look at themselves because, in my opinion, I think they're just hooligans. Um, they're not proper supporters of the club. And in my opinion, they're just as bad as the Glazers because they say that they want the Glazers out and they, you know, the Glazers are running our football club. It's it's not even the United. It's fans, fans like that, and um, the whole way through football who are ruining it for everybody. Um, you know, would I have loved to get in to have a kick out in Old Trafford? Absolutely. Who's the right man? You know, protest or no protest? You know, I'd happily have a secure case for five minutes. But listen, it was all done peacefully, as I said. And um, yeah, City have won the league. Um, it's annoying to admit that too. I don't think anybody's catching them. Um, it's a weird season, but hopefully the Glazers get the message and pack up their bags and scoot. It's almost poetic, actually, that it happened this weekend of all weekends, in which there was a mass social media blackout by so many of the big organisations and clubs in England to say we don't support online abuse, because in that case as well, it's a small portion of the fan base who are racially abusing players, who are sending abuse to players constantly. I think we almost see a small glimpse of that today in the protest. Mm. We see small portions of the fan base who are idiots. And the vast majority are there doing something peacefully, using social media properly, going into the ground and, and yeah, having those pictures taken of them with the flares just standing there and everything. That's a powerful image that will go down in football history. Mm -hmm. But there's a small portion of the fan base who will take their chance run with it and make mistakes both online and in person and the other thing Gareth just before you head on and we really appreciate you coming on and bringing your thoughts is in some ways got a wee break there for the Roma game it's not it's not a bad thing you know there's there's a let's take a positive spin on anything you've got you've we, not got the game might be off. replayed now though tomorrow what? There's talk about there's talk about playing played tomorrow because Liverpool are like the Liverpool players and squad are in Manchester. The game needs to be played, so tomorrow might. And because United aren't playing until Thursday anyway, then there's a long enough gap that they could justify it. Also, just because the season is so busy, it's oh. it's a difficult one to find a time. I know it's not ideal, but Gareth, any thoughts on when the game should be rescheduled on, or what do you reckon? Listen, it. it... It's not the it's not the players' fault that this has happened today. You know, neither sets of um, players' faults. Um, I, I think that you know, if if Sky have the opportunity to play the game tomorrow, play it at, at three p.m., five p.m., four thirty p.m. kickoff. You know, but as you said, uh, look, both teams are in Manchester. You know, United at the lorry, Liverpool squad are a mile up the road. You know, mm-hmm. put um, put a traffic ban in place, get the teams to the stadium. And, you know, push the fans back. You know, the fans, yes, we've seen and heard of a couple of uh, people being arrested this afternoon, things you never want to see. But, look, if we can go ahead and get the game played, yeah. But then does it have a knock-in effect against against Roma on Thursday night? Of course it does. But I'm confident that we're up for those four goals. Yes, I am. But at the same time, you know, you don't know what that does to a ment- player's mentality. You know, the players came out. It, it, it was 
putting the internet there that the likes of Maguire, Bruno Fernandez, um, you know, just to name but a few, Luke Shaw, they all tried to come out of the hotel and speak to fans and, you know, to get in amongst them. But obviously they weren't allowed to do that for their own protection. But look, um, it's, it's a difficult one. Obviously, every, every, every fan of football wants to see this game. You know, it's not just, uh, I'll maybe watch that later on. Um, I would like to see the game played at some stage this week. Um, but then, obviously, that has a knock-on effect on UEFA and the Europa League. So, I think we'll just wait and see what happens. Um, mm. I don't really think it matters anymore because everybody knows that City have already won the league. So, yeah. you know, um, yeah, I would like to see it been played this week. But again, it's up to um, the Premier League and UEFA. Garth, the pleasure, mate, for having you on. Uh, we're going to continue on, so you're getting kicked off. But thank you so much. You know, every week, if you want to come on and join five minutes, mate, you're always more than welcome. Uh, but uh, have a good week, mate. See you soon. Cheers, boys. Andy, good luck. See you, See you later. Interesting that Gareth um, touches on the idea that the, the game is pointless. But in reality, it's really not. <laughs> it's really not, because there are top four ramifications still to play for. Liverpool mm. more so than United, but United aren't actually guaranteed second place. They aren't guaranteed right. even third place. And so it's still a big game for United because if they were to lose this game, they'd be six points ahead of Chelsea. And in this season, more than any anything can happen. <laughs> yeah, United could drop and lose two games. There's the league table. That's As you can see, United could United could lose two games. Chelsea could win those games. And suddenly, they're on the same amount of points. Chelsea are probably ahead on goal difference because it's it's tight on goal difference. And two wins and two losses could swing that massively. So it's a big game for top four. Joe, who do you think, after this weekend's matches, um, who do you think gets top four? I was dreading you asking me this question, actually, because if, if we look at the table here, I think... The cutoff for me is Liverpool. I don't think Everton are going to reach top four. From fourth to seventh, we have seven points separating four teams. I think, I think Leicester are going to hold on. So I think, obviously, City and United. I don't think I don't think United are going to drop out of the top four. I think I think they're safe enough. Yeah. I think Leicester should hang on because they actually have. I haven't realized they had so many points. Yeah. So I, I think I'll be okay as well. But you see the t- current top four? I don't know if that's changing. No, me neither. I think that's probably how it's going to end up. I think Leicester last season absolutely pooed the bed. And they, <laughs> they, just, they, they did a discredit to themselves because they had done so well to get into position and just didn't do well. This season they could potentially finish second. Unlikely, but possible. You're going to finish top four, most likely. And an FA Cup final. Great season from Leicester. Um, but I think, yeah, United are safe. If they, get one, if they get a point, they're effectively top four confirmed because they'll mm-hmm. be 12 above Spurs. Um, especially if Spurs were to go and, and, and lose this game against Southampton or something or draw it, then it would be confirmed. But yeah, United are confirmed. Leicester, I think, are safe. I don't think they're guaranteed third place. Because Chelsea could easily overtake them, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I do think those top four uh, are there. I think it's I think it's a really interesting race, and, and Andy makes the same point that that you were saying about how it isn't a pointless game. A the rivalry, and also because 
Liverpool still have an outside chance of making top four. And football is all based on hope. And that's why the European Super League was such a disgrace, because you were taking hope out of the game. You know, it's very possible. And I say possible, I don't mean very possible, but it's certainly, there's a reality somewhere where Liverpool make top four because of calamitous results for their teams. So to take, to maybe take that away would, you know, be be, be wrong. Uh, but I do think, I certainly think that Liverpool will have a, even a race to get Europa League because I, West Ham, I think West Ham could still get Europa League place. Do you know? I, I do. I, I think they will get Europa League place. Well, there's the there's the helpfulness in this case in that Man City have won the the League Cup, so it's unlikely, or I know it's confirmed now that sixth place I think gets Europa League as well mm-hmm. because they've won that. Um, so Liverpool in sixth place, I think I'd back them. I'm not sure I'd back them to get above West Ham because West Ham are playing some great football, but I do back them to get sixth place. So I think Europa League is probably likely for them, um, which which is grand. Um, there's also the Europa Conference League position that maybe they could go in. Is that starting next season? I think it might be. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I thought I how saw can, something. How can um, be bothered, honestly? Like, do you know what? Tottenham could actually win a trophy that way. It's true. It's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, a fascinating weekend, I think, for top four football because mm-hmm. Southampton, who haven't been doing it really well, played Leicester. Yep. I thought Leicester should win that game. Yep. They should have won that game. And they didn't. A draw is is harmful for them because if they had got two more points, I mean on sixty-five, they're ten above West Ham. You back them. You back yeah, them to stay. Pretty there. safe. Pretty safe. Um so I think they've they've missed an opportunity there. Great to see Johnny Evans on the score sheet. Good player, lovely Northern Irishman. Went to Belfast High School like myself, so he's a great <laughs> man. Um but a really interesting game happened last night, Everton Villa. Um, spoilers, Joe and I actually watched that game together. Um, and we thought it was a really fun first half, really good first half. But Everton again showed the reason why they're not going to finish in the top four. The reason why they're no longer, they've no longer won the title like they had in October. Um, they've been so inconsistent, so inconsistent all season. Um, they really lacked Hamez last night, I think. He was oh. definitely part of their game plan, and him being injured in the warm-up was a big loss. But you still back the likes of Andre Gomez, Alan, you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, it will be not so much Sigurdsson. No, sorry, let me just say this. Let me just say this, because I said this to you last night, that Gilfie Sigurdsson <laughs> is the most mediocre football player that's ever existed. Like, he just, for me, he's never good. He's never really that bad. He's just there. He's just mediocre. He just kind of fits a role. He does whatever, but he's. I just think he's. Oh, I don't. He, he frustrates life out of me. I don't. I don't even know why. I'll be honest. I don't even know why. I find and him yet, frustrating. He's a game winner though. Sometimes he's yeah, a solid six yeah. out of ten every week. So six out of ten every week. But then some weeks he'll score two from thirty yards. Top bins. And it'll be <laughs> unbelievable. Let's come yeah. out of nowhere. Um, but Everton, very inconsistent. Don't think they've got a chance now with top four. They're nine points off. They do have a game at hand, but very unlikely, especially the form that those other teams are in. Chelsea um, looking pretty good. And I think Chelsea, 
I think Sorry, I think I think they play Villa again. So I think I think they haven't played Villa this season. I think I, I think he's, I think Watkins mentioned in his interview that they were playing twice in ten days. So I actually think that one of their games is against Villa again. So uh, that'll be interesting. But then the next yeah. game you were about to say was about uh, Chelsea Fulham. Absolutely. What did you make of the Chelsea game? Um, not a surprising result. I'm as a Newcastle fan, I'm absolutely delighted. What a result for me. Uh, <laughs> Chelsea's team was actually pretty strong as well. They didn't rest as many players as I thought they were going to. They tried what I said I thought they were going to do against Real Madrid, and they put Werner on the left. He didn't play solely in the middle. And then Havertz decided that he would just show up for a day and score a couple of goals. So well, Havertz has been good since Tuchel came in. He's mm-hmm. had a few really good games. And for someone who's still only 21, still only 21, Hello. I'm very excited about watching Kai Havertz in the Premier League for the next five seasons. I think he's got real potential. Technical ability is phenomenal. His head is is phenomenal. Um, he's, yeah, he's a good player. Um, Werner on the left played well. I think, yeah, just a really, a really solid victory. Fulham were never going to be unbelievable. Fulham were never going to have a lot of the ball. Fulham were never going to have too many chances on goal. Chelsea shut up the shop at the back, but played really well. Got two goals. Great win. Simple. It, I find myself saying that more and more as Tuchel carries on. Yeah. The more games he plays, the more consistent Chelsea are playing. They're just very efficient, aren't they? With, with what they do, it's it's almost a stereotypical German efficiency. You know, they just like they just they just kind of they just kind of score a couple of goals. They keep a clean sheet and then they move on. There's nothing really particularly. No, they, they they do play some good football. I'm not saying they're not spectacular. What, or what I mean is they don't go out of their way to make games entertaining. Right? They they do the job. They win the game. They win it pretty effectively. And then they just go on to the next one. It's, it's kind of a cycle with them. They just continuously moving through, uh, and 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 winning pretty consistently. Obviously, they drew against Real Madrid, but like you can almost see that as being a win, getting the away goal. Yeah, and it 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 actually. I'll I'll share the table again just to show that really the relegation kind of side of things is slowly kind of firming itself up because with just four games to go. Fulham are nine points away from safety, meaning they have to win all four of their game. Well, they have to win three at least and draw one. So, not necessarily because they... I I back Newcastle not to win any games. To be fair, in their last four. So well, our, last, our last games against Fulham. So, oh if, hello. If, if Fulham were to win their next three games, then the last and Newcastle didn't get any points. Then the last game of the season would be Newcastle Fulham for the relegation playoff. That being said, Newcastle's second last game is Sheffield United, so I kind of okay. think we'll get at least a point there. Uh but it is we do only it's only one point, I think, or two points, three points from safety for everybody else. West Brom, I would argue, are, are in the mud, really. Although they've got a game in hand, I suppose. But I think I think West Brom are going down. I don't see West them. Brom okay. game. They have a game tomorrow night against like the Wolves. Wolves. Yeah, which they could um, win actually. They they weirdly could win because you'll see there in their form, they have two wins in their last five games. So yeah. Two two wins out of their last three games, one of which is against Chelsea, which is nuts. Um, 
But they're not a bad team at times. And Wolves have been distinctly average now. Hmm. Basically since Raul Jimenez got injured. I think Raul Jimenez's injury has revealed that Wolves do not have a good squad. They don't have a deep um, player pool to pick from. And they've also, in my opinion, showed that Adama Traore is the most overrated player to ever <laughs> play in the Premier League. Because yeah. he he has he's like he's like Gilfie Sigurdsson, but like times a hundred because he's consistently a two out of ten, but some games <laughs> he will show up and be a ten out of ten. Like against City last year, phenomenal. But this season he went what twenty seven games without a goal or assist? Why is that? Because Raul Jimenez isn't in the box with a clinical finisher. He's not a, he's 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 not there to put his head on the ball because that's all Adam Traore can do is run quickly and then put a ball in the middle. Raul Jimenez was putting them in the back of the net last season. So I don't know. I think West Brom could actually win that tomorrow night. But I do agree. I think they're done. I think I think the three that are in the relegation zone at the moment are the three that will go down. I think it's it did look tight until Newcastle decided to go four games unbeaten, which they had no right to go with those games. But I, I, I want to finish up on Newcastle because I do have a lot to say about that game. But Quickly, let's mention Brighton-Leeds, which was a shot. I thought Leeds would win that game, to be honest. I was really surprised to see that Brighton won that game. Danny Welbeck scored an absolute screamer. I don't know if you saw it. Did you see his touch? I, I haven't actually goal? seen the goal, unfortunately. Oh, so he basically, the ball's high in the air, right? And he, on the half volley, does a, like a Cruyff turn half volley thing to go past the defender and then hits it first time into the top corner. Beautiful goal. You do love to see Danny Welbeck scoring some goals. It's nice to see you because Danny Welbeck is the, the player who has the least technical ability that's ever played for both United <laughs> and Arsenal. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't get it. He's like a donkey most of the time when he's running. <laughs> he cannot control the ball well. But sometimes, and I'm glad to see him playing more because I do, I do like him. He seems like a nice lad. Yeah. I think this season he's been able to show that he's actually an all right player. And Brighton seems to suit him well, a team that likes to get a, like a lot of chances, mm-hmm. lots of XGs. Stato Joe loves an XG. Big XG, big well, XG. Welbeck loves to, to score goals. So, yeah, I'm happy for him. I do think, just before we get on Newcastle, if these three teams go down, I think it's sad because two of those teams came up last yeah. season. I think they've been unfortunate in this season in that not much money's been spent. There's not been a lot of transfers. There's not mm. been a, lot, a normal year. And they haven't had the same opportunity that they would have done. West Brom have played this whole season effectively with a championship-level squad with Matthias Pereira, who's a phenomenal player, great player. And he's been their only shining light, really. Callum yeah. Robinson up top's done well. He's played well, but generally the rest of their squad is championship quality. I reckon they'll do quite well next season in the championship if they can keep on the hold of their players. Which they, I don't see why they wouldn't either. I don't see how they would do that. Go. Yeah, well, go. Fulham are playing with arguably like a League One squad. <laughs> they have a really bad bunch of players. It's and Scott Parker, I think, deserves credit. Not not enough credit to get him the Tottenham job, but a <laughs> decent amount of credit um, with doing what he's done with that squad. Because I really don't rate a lot of the Fulham players. They just look lost in the Premier League. So a few of them, Lookman. I reckon has won them quite a lot of points this year. I'd love to look into that and see how many points he single-handedly won them by scoring and, goals. And lost them with that uh, chip. Let's not forget the chip penalty. That... Let's not forget. But uh... <laughs> apart from that, he's done well. But fair, so fair play to Leeds and fair play to Bielsa, despite mm. losing yesterday, are very safe, very comfortable, mid-table, 
done really well this season with minimal funds spent. So they deserve a lot of credit. Their their squad has hardly changed, and and he's been able to bring them up and and they're like they're they're they could finish eighth, ninth, you know, because the, they're that's very very close in that kind of midsection. Like they could, I'm saying they could. I'm not saying they will. I'm saying they could. Uh, let's not put any firm predictions down. We all know how bad bad my predictions were during the Six Nations. Um, it's true. It's true. But I I do think with with those kind of squads, the fall of Mitrovic is kind of strange because like he he was an okay sub at Newcastle when he when we were in the Prem, but for some reason it's just like I don't know, it just seems to be lost in yeah at Fulham. Uh, it is strange that uh, I nearly said Bronson Reid there, but uh, Theodore Dover Reid, isn't it? Uh, plays up top, not yeah. the Australian wrestler. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why he's playing so much. I don't understand why he's getting a lot more chances than Mitrovic. I get Mitrovic has a, a temper, but we did start to see this too for at the end of last season in the championship. Didn't start the playoff final. Some could say it's because of injury. Some could say it's because he probably would have got sent off. Mm. Um, but it is sad to see Mitrovic fall. But yet, no matter how few games he plays for for, for Fulham, he'll play for Serbia and he'll score. <laughs> he will score yeah. goals for Serbia. So, so weird. So it's a like Kyle Lafferty. Well, Kyle Lafferty's scoring goals now. For David Healy. It's like David Healy. David Healy. David Healy. Yeah. The greatest player, right. arguably, to have played in my lifetime for Northern Ireland and scored so many goals. Is our record score for country, Northern Ireland, and yet. For Fulham, for Sunderland, for whoever he played for, he was shocking. Oh my days! Like just, he's just one of those players, and he just seems to he gets to international level, which is why I always say that international football is a bit crap sometimes, unless it's a major tournament, because there's players who couldn't do it in the championship, and yet at international level they score score goals for fun. Like so, weirdly, Leonardo Trossard can can score a goal for Belgium, but he hits the post every time he shoots. Every time, <laughs> yeah, he just forgets to put finesse on. He, he forgets to hit R one, and he just yeah, hits it on the straight line. Uh, and obviously, the one thing I I want to talk a bit longer, a bit more in detail, kind of about this Newcastle game because uh, I'm not even saying this as a Newcastle fan. It wasn't a great game. It wasn't. It really wasn't that great. Like, and. I'll objectively say if it was a good or bad game in terms of a neutral perspective, it was it was quite scrappy in midfield. Actually, I, I, I didn't really feel like there was a lot of passing going on. It'll be interesting to look at the stats and see what they say, but and we'll, we'll get into that in a bit later on. But in general overview, it's funny because I actually and this sounds so bad, but it finished two two nil Arsenal, and I was like, I I don't even really care, like. I didn't expect to get anything from the game. We've I can't even be disappointed because in our last four games we drew with Spurs, we beat West Ham, we beat Burnley, and we drew with Liverpool. So I'm kind of like, like we've in our four of our last five games we haven't lost. So like I'm kind of like, what's the big difference, Joe, between this game? Joe Willock isn't allowed to play. <laughs> Joe Willock is Joe, Joe the Pellick Willock. Yeah, he's uh, not allowed to play because that's his parent club, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think genuinely he, he could have done a bit could could have done well today because it was scrappy in midfield and he might have been okay. But to be fair, were you expecting any less when you see Mohamed El Nani starting? <laughs> when you see him playing game football, you know it's not gonna be a technical masterclass. No. And what's funny um, for Arsenal's first goal is that Abamyang completely missed the ball. It like seemed I don't know, he missed the ball and then it bobbled off his foot or something. 
to set up El Nani. It was one of the strangest things I've ever seen in terms of a goal. But again, like I didn't even I wasn't even annoyed. I, I don't know if it's because I'm just like more relaxed about the relegation side of things. And also I didn't think we were going to get any points. I thought the only points we were going to get because our last eight games, because I think our le- we have Leicester and Man City in our next two games, right? So our last eight games were uh, Spurs were playing three kind of lower table teams, so Burnley, Sheffield United, and Fulham. But then the other five were our City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs, West Ham. Is that the, was that all five of them? Or Arsenal, right? So West Ham, who were what? Fourth, when we played them, and Joe the Pillock Willock scoring, uh, saving her skin. They did the same thing against Spurs. I, you know, I just think it's one of those things. There's Jacob in the chat. Hi, Jacob. How's it going? Uh, what are your thoughts on the protests, Jacob? Just very quickly, put it in chat and let us know what your thoughts were on those protests. Um, but yeah, overall, as a game, pretty poor. Fair play to Arsenal, they got a win. And actually, I have thought it showed a bit of squad depth because. They were saying on commentary it was eight changes, but when I saw the team, I was like, "That's quite a strong team they've put out." Let me show you here on the. Uh, let me show those who are watching. We'll we'll describe it for podcast listeners, but on the uh, the team itself, like not a bad team. You know, they had they dropped Leno, which I actually think was a good idea because <laughs> there's someone who's out of, who's out of confidence. Well, um, Leno did really well to be fair midweek. I thought against Villarreal, made a mm. massive save to keep them in the tie. Um, but you're absolutely right. Arsenal have done well here to to rest players. Being able to start William and Aubameyang, who didn't start midweek, mm-hmm. is is great for them. Starting El Nani, I abused El Nani earlier, but I do actually quite like him. I think he's he's solid enough. Um, and Caballos obviously can't play on Thursday <laughs> night, so yeah. it makes sense to play him. Um, it's good that they could bring in um, David Luiz. As well, um, and, and as you said, Ryan, there's a decent number of changes made there. And Arsenal did what they had to do. They went about their business. You'll see there mm-hmm. on the left hand side the attack momentum meter that Joe loves so dearly. I absolutely love it. They absolutely so dominated. <laughs> they were yeah. all over Newcastle. There were periods where Newcastle looked like doing something, but in saying that, they never actually looked like scoring a goal. They never really looked like there was a clear chance for them to put it into the back of the net. Arsenal yeah. were very very uh, business orientated they got what they needed to do and they did it and um, i thought fair play wasteful though very wasteful I, if you scroll down a little bit you'll see that arsenal had 19 shots i think yeah five on target that's not a testament to Hang being a really bad finisher at times i don't know what is that's 14 the, shots off target is mad it's the same problem we had on thursday night against Villarreal. they couldn't they didn't have a high enough shot on target rate you know and and I know it's a cliche to be like, you just need to get your shots on target. But a lot of the time, you do just need to get your shots on target because, you know, you can't, obviously, I, sound, I feel like I'm, I sound like Michael Owen here. You can't score goals if you don't hit a shot on target. And considering they had 19 shots, even, you know, you should be getting more shots on target. Like, I mean, Newcastle only have five shots. Is, we'll not talk about that. Like, we only <laughs> the same number of shots as I had on target. But, when when you look at kind of the like looking at the stats, right? Arsenal absolutely cleaned Newcastle, but yeah. watching the game, it never really felt like that. But look at those passing accuracies. Oh, even Newcastle managed a good pass accuracy, eighty seven percent. 
Arsenal 91, but like 581 accurate passes. They just have they had so much of the ball, you know. It's 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 just I don't know. It was just one of those games. It was just like oh, all well. Uh, one one thing I do really want to bring up, and I, I feel like I need to stress, is that after the last few months of pain watching Newcastle play football, I knew that we didn't get a lot of shots today, and I knew that I think a lot of that was because Arsenal defended very well. To be fair, and I thought I thought both David Luiz and Gabriel had decent games, but the style of football that we play now is far better. So we played we play this five three two formation quite a lot, right? We play it quite a lot. We played that formation against Sheffield United, by the way, and we lost. It was their first one of the season, and we were awful. We were so bad. But now we're playing the same formation, and we're he's actually Steve versus actually well, I would say Graham Jones, but. That he's actually kind of wanting the fullbacks to attack, which is also why I don't know why Jamal Lewis isn't playing, because that's his game, is pushing forward. Matt Ritchie's done well since, since he's come back into the side, but overall, a mere game, and I didn't really care. I, I, you know, Not that I don't care, I'm not, I like, I'd obviously like to win, but I'm not now worried we're going to get relegated or something. Um, oh, player ratings... Player ratings very quickly. Aubameyang getting a 7.7. He didn't have that good a game, but it's just because he scored a goal. Um, you know, Sam Maximan did have a, always has a good game for us uh, and continues to just kind of control games. Get, it's a, it is a wee bit like the tactic is pass the ball to Sam Maximan and then we'll see what happens. But Arsenal's player ratings are very consistently good. Look. Yeah. Apart from Shaka, yeah. I think Shaka <laughs> playing left back is is not his position, so you mm. feel for him. And um, but good, yeah, good ratings from everybody apart from Pepe and Party who came on and were pretty useless. They didn't have mm. an awful lot of time to do anything, but they they didn't play well at all. Chambers coming in and keeping the defence sure was good, and um, so fair play to them. But yeah, midfield wise they played well. Not an awful lot from William. Not an awful lot from Caballos, but Martinelli player really really good player today had some really successful dribbles passing accuracy was really good drew the red card at the end which was weirdly weirdly rash from share really also, also i'm not really sure if that was for me i thought that was a harsh red card i do i do get the argument that uh it wasn't a clear and obvious error so yeah. the commentator, the, the commentator actually summed it up very well. He was saying, if it had been a yellow, it wouldn't have been overturned. He didn't think, and if it was a, as as a red, it wasn't overturned. Weird challenge, not. But like, I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was a red. I didn't know. really agree with the commentator who was saying, "Oh, weird time to do it. The game is over. It's fizzling out. It's in its dying embers." And I was like, "Well, but Newcastle." Could still try and score two goals here. <laughs> Newcastle. We did it. We did it at Everton. We did it at Everton last season. Exactly. We scored two, ninety third and ninety fourth minutes. So like you know, they should have been going to try and score those goals. So I don't agree with that, but I do think you're right. If it was a yellow, I would have been like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. If it's a red, I'm kind of like bit harsh, but also kind of fair enough. But while we were talking about championship squads, you look at that back five that Newcastle played today. I know. Championship defense, terrible. Paul Dummett, Clark, and Fernandez. 
There's a reason they have to buy three of them, and it stops the attack from being good. It's because all three of them are useless. I mean, shit, the only reason Sheridan started was because he's coming back from injury. I, I quite like Fabian Sheridan. He's good. I think Paul he's good. There was a while there where Paul Dummett was playing left back over Jamal Lewis, and I honestly was like, does this man have any, does Steve Bruce have any clue? Like, has he seen Jamal play for Northern Ireland? I know, mm. I think, I do joke that I think Jamal Lewis is the world's best footballer. Um, it is, it is a joke, but I really do love Jamal Lewis. I think when he plays Northern Ireland, I always think he's great. He isn't, he's like, like we were discussing kind of previously about how Hector Bellerin isn't a great defender, but he's a great attacking fullback. And I think Jamal Lewis has the potential to be a great attacking fullback. He's one of those players that he's not the strongest. He's going to need a bit of support from his inside centre back, but get him up the pitch. Like he, he plays some great football up the pitch. So I personally, for me, I think he needs to move to to a championship club because his growth's been completely stunted now because he's not getting played. To be honest, I think Jamal Lewis should put a phone call in to Eric Chopu Moting's agent and say, mate, sort <laughs> me out here. Because Jamal Lewis would do absolute bits playing for PSG. He would be great. Yeah. He would be so good because he's an attacking player. It's what they need. He's better than Backer, who played midweek. Mm. He'd be decent enough. It's never going to happen, obviously. It's it's wildly hypothetical, but I do think Jamal Lewis could actually do all right in other places. But yeah, Matt Ritchie, championship player. You know, John Joe Shelby, again, like a Sigurdsson, <laughs> kind of five out of ten that. every week, but he'll score randomly. And then, like, destroy a horcrux or something and then yeah <laughs> and then that'll be that um but yeah newcastle not great today but as you say i i'm the same i'm exactly the same as stoke we lost 2-0 to qpr yesterday and i was like yeah, oh, we're, yeah. We're, we're 14th in the league we're not getting relegated it, meh, you know I'm, yeah <laughs> it's a bit bit fed up but hey that's that's that and that's all the games from this weekend from yeah. Premier League. There are two games tomorrow night, which on paper sound relatively boring, but Burnley, West Ham. Burnley, to be fair, if they play like they played last week against West Ham, who've been playing well recently, could actually be quite a good game, but mm-hmm. I don't back Burnley to play like they played last week. <laughs> uh, and then West Brom Wolves, we bri- briefly touched on earlier as well. Yeah, and while we were chatting about Newcastle, Jacob had some Great points in the chat. So Jacob's a United fan himself. Um, and he said, I think the fans were heard today. I don't agree with the violence, but if fans don't store on the pitch, it would not have been big enough to catch a reaction of the world that they postponed the biggest game, which is exactly what we were saying, Luke. And actually, he's put that very, very well. Actually, I think, Jacob, you've put that excellently. Um, didn't lose, so said he didn't win the league. <laughs> That's a good point also. Um yeah, Jacob, I think, I think you're I think you're right. I think um that's exactly what we had talked about earlier on about how we would never ever encourage violence, but the impact that going on the pitch had uh would not have had the same impact had they just stayed outside the ground. Um been a weird weekend, uh, in the end, because you know, we were hoping to talk about a little, little draw today. Uh and instead we were left with the protests. But we do have European football this week coming up. Which mean we'll be back on Wednesday night and Thursday night, maybe. Are you free on Thursday night? Absolutely. So um, yeah. If you'd like to to remind yourself of our predictions, 
go on over to Spotify and Google Podcasts because there's bonus extra content for people who listen on podcasts. You'll get an intro that Joe and I share a little bit just about ourselves and an outro that maybe shares our predictions on those games. So check us out, Spotify, Google Podcast, for lovely bonus extra content. Apple Podcast should be coming soon. It takes very long to process. Uh, I was silly. I didn't think to kind of set up the podcast before we were doing it, so I only set up Wednesday night, so it might be another week before that gets sorted. But you Apple Podcast guys, we're not ignoring you, all right? We, we, will, we, we will give you a platform, but... The condition is that when we're on Apple Podcasts, we you must give us a five star rating because if you don't, we will cry for many many weeks. Um, Absolutely. And Joe, we yeah. approach nine o'clock. The line of duty is about to start for everybody <laughs> out there who wants to yeah. watch it. The finale, I believe. I don't watch it, but I respect those that do. So we <laughs> should probably wrap up and let everybody go and watch that or do Perfect. whatever they're going to do. But it's been a pleasure. Um, hope you all have enjoyed listening to Joe and I waffle and ramble and our lovely guest gareth as well uh, and share our thoughts from the weekend's football it's been nuts but that's the beautiful game that we love football thank you so much for watching guys if you are watching back be sure to hit the like button on on the stream and subscribe to the youtube because bada bing bada boom we're trying to get to 100 subscribers by the time the euro starts so if you want to help us out in that we'd really really appreciate it if you enjoyed this show let us know first of also and if you enjoyed it share it with your mates Get a screenshot of you listening to the podcast up on your Instagram stories. Tag me on at Stato there on, on, on your stories. Let us know you're listening. Let us know your thoughts. We would love to hear your feedback because it really helps us try and improve the show. We're only, we're only beginners. Do you know what I mean? We're only beginners in the podcast game, so we really are trying to improve. But honestly, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in, your contributions, all that good stuff. And we'll see you on Wednesday night at 10 p.m., and we'll be talking about Man City versus Chelsea in the Champions League final. So uh, we'll see you then. Luke, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joe. And see you soon. See you soon. Bye, guys. That was our show. Yes, there's a lot of opinions always on our shows. Luke, what plans do you have? For the common week well yeah my whole life doesn't revolve around football sadly but one of my most exciting plans this week probably is playing seven aside football tomorrow night or tonight if you're listening to the podcast and um, it'll be yeah good time be nice to play some football again after lockdown it's been it's been so annoying not being able to actually play so I'm looking forward to that other than that just back to work on tuesday Pleased to have a bank holiday. To be fair, bank holiday is really nice on Monday. Um, but back to work Tuesday to Friday, just working away, grinding it out and trying to make the most of my my evenings. Probably see a few friends, go for a few walks um, and stick to all those COVID guidelines, obviously. Um, what about you? What's your week look like? Uh, I have my dissertation to finish this week. Uh, I'll probably get a, the first draft done tomorrow. And then I have to study for my exams because it's final year and uni hates everybody. Um, I am also playing football tomorrow with a different group of people. So that's, I'm looking forward to that. But apart from that, really, I'll probably still be shocked by the line of duty finale. I'll probably still be in shock by like Wednesday. But we do have the Champions League this week. So I'm pretty, pretty, I'm pretty excited for that. Do you want to give our podcast listeners quick predictions before we go? 
absolutely. Um, I'm thinking Man City, Chelsea both go through. City will probably pull it through with maybe a 2-1 or a 3-2 win. Um, yep. I'm thinking Chelsea will either grind out the nil-nil or sneak a 1-0. Um, I think Chelsea will, will you know, shut up shop quite well. Europa League-wise, thinking Arsenal probably will have enough to pull it through. I think it might go to extra time there. I think it could be a 2-1 to Arsenal, extra time. Bukayo Saku, 119th minute. Um, now, who knows? But I, I do think Arsenal pull through. And the United game, there's no point even talking about it, really. Well, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with all of your predictions. Um, definitely Champions League predictions. I think you're spot on. I think it'll be a, a definitely a Chelsea City final, in my opinion. And I think we could see an Arsenal Man United final. I think we could see all four English teams in the two fi- finals. If are we wrong, just being biased, though, Jim? Are we being biased? Probably, probably are, yeah, because we just want to see the UK teams do well. But if we're wrong, like, at, at me on Twitter, let me know that I'm an idiot. Like, we, we, we want to see that. You know, we want to see the direction. But I'm usually, I have a horrendous track record with predictions. So, um, with my predictions, we'll probably see then a PSG uh, Real Madrid final in the Champions League and a Villarreal. Romo will win 5 0 on Thursday, and we'll see none of the English teams in the finals. <laughs> yeah, they only need four now, Joe. Don't be silly. They only oh, sorry, need four. Yeah. They've got two away goals, so they'll be right. all right with four. Yeah. I think they'll be content with a 4 0 win. Jekyll scores his fourth. I don't think he'll be rushing back to the halfway line. No. Uh, yeah, so guys, that is it for this edition of the Star Joe podcast, episode number three already. Absolutely well, flying man. through them. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to hit the follow button if you're listening on Spotify because it actually really does help us out. And if you want to share it out, tweet Luke Sherwin is an idiot or put it on your story with that quote so then we'll know that you've listened to the full episode. But uh, (laughs) thank you so much for joining us and we will see you again in about three days' time. See you then.